Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Uber Neuro, the podcast designed to spotlight amazing people with neurodiversity, whether they're diagnosed or undiagnosed, and the amazing people around them who have to uh, help them on their journey. Uh, this podcast was started, of course, my son was diagnosed when he was 13 with autism and ADHD and a few other bits and pieces. Very depressing for a young teenager to deal with. So I made it my mission to speak to lots of other people, generally adults, who have been there, done that, bought the t-shirt and are now living amazing lives. And joining me today is an incredible human, uh, incredible human in many respects, but in my world, um, a great coach to me, uh, Matt Elwell of the Elite Closing Academy. Are you there? I am. Al, thank you so much for your lovely kind words as ever. I appreciate it. It's my pleasure. Thank you for making the time to be with us today and to share the journey that uh, you and your loved ones have been on. Um, give us 60 to 90 seconds about Matt Elwell. Who's Matt Elwell? Um, yeah, who's Matt Elwell? Um, thank you. I uh, am an entrepreneur, a, a business owner, a family business owner, um, and uh, a lot of what we're going to talk about today actually is something I've dealt with through my business career as well because I had a family business and uh, my dad's um, mental illness actually uh, was with us all the way through the journey. So um, that's that's probably what we're going to share today. But yeah, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur, a trainer, a sales trainer, uh, as you said, of the Elite Closing Academy and uh, a family man. A couple of young kids um, live in the uh, Her Majesty the Queen's second favourite city, Birmingham. Uh, that's enough, I think. <laughs> now, that's, that's a great way to end it. There's probably a few fights just broken out because of that. Uh, uh, so, well, first of all, thank you very much for being here. Obviously, we have three questions we ask all of our uh, interviewees. So the first question is, what challenge did you face? Tell us a little bit uh, of the backstory and how it manifested. Well, I think um, if, if I can, I'll just before I answer the question, I think one of the things that I'm happy to, to share um, with my own personal journey um, is in my family, uh, there's a history of uh, various uh, mental illnesses. And obviously, the older I've gotten, the more, um, you know, the more we learn ways of coping, um, both on our own personal journey and those around us. I've done more research and uh, my just to give you a bit of context um, mm. on my uh, father's side um, there's been a suicide my mother uh, my grandmother actually took her own life wow. um, which was actually the start of um, my, my dad's journey as you can imagine she, she actually took her own life on my dad's 21st birthday oh. um, wow. yeah so I think I think a lot of what I'm going to share today um, is linked to that um, my cousin actually took his own life three years ago this this weekend. Oh, um, uh, similar from the same side of the family, and uh, my dad has also, um, um, God bless him, managed to overcome uh, a, a whole bout of suicidal um, incidents over a period of time. So, you know that that's a big part of things on the one side, and then on the other side, there's um, there's a, a quite a lot of depression and schizophrenia. So my my cousin has an acute schizophrenia, uh, schizophrenia, um, which he's had for about 30 years now, uh, which we've dealt with. And, and I've been, um, you know, real, well, yes, it's been challenging, but I suppose in many ways it's, it's been great that we're all there for each other. And we, yeah. we've, we've sort of, you know, journeyed through it. So it's, and he's doing brilliantly as well uh, now, which is cool. Um, 
both uh, other members close to my family have undiagnosed and diagnosed uh, mental illnesses. My mother, God bless her, is still with us. Uh, she's downstairs doing pies with the kids as we speak, but has suffered for many years uh, with depression. Um, so yeah, and, and I've had my own battles with anxiety and depression uh, along my, you know, through the through the journey myself. So I'm putting context there uh, firstly, and then uh, my sister also adopted a uh, beautiful young boy, Archie, uh, nine years ago, and he's uh, not too recent, uh, too recent, uh, not too far back, has been diagnosed with fetal alcohol syndrome oh, right. and ADHD. So there's a there's a lot going on. Uh, within the the, the the family environment, so um, sounds, uh, I suppose that's the context of, of this, really. Yeah, it sounds like a tight knit family. I'm sure that's well. I would hope anyway. It's brought brought everyone together more supportive, uh, p- probably just because of the the slings and arrows of life. Really, you kind of. I think it. I think it does both, doesn't it? Um, I think. I think firstly, you need hope to cope. Yeah. And I think hope hope comes through love in the family and you know i think sometimes when there are difficult issues um and society doesn't particularly deal with a lot of this stuff very well and neither do we you know we all deal with it our own way and there isn't right or wrong and what i've found is um sometimes the best thing to do is just to turn up uh now i'm not saying like everyone do that but sometimes the best thing to do is just reach out turn up send a message send a little note little video message to a loved one that you know is suffering or to uh, somebody in your family and just say, look, hey, I'm thinking about you. Um, just something simple like that can make a huge difference. That's, um, that's something we've worked on. I think as a family, there have been times where uh, things draw you closer and I think there are times where it definitely draws you further apart. Yeah, I, I, I can imagine the challenges are there and they're not to be understated. Um, but there's nothing quite like family when, when it's, uh, when it's working well, family is phenomenal. Sometimes family doesn't always work as well as we would all like it to though, of course. So, uh, the, yeah. when the pressure's on, it's equally, it can be uh, a, ble- a curse as well as a blessing. I can imagine. Uh, I know my family, that's certainly true. So I'm sure it's the same for everybody. Um, yeah. And with, with regard to your first question, I mean, look, my, my dad, um, who, I mean, nobody can, uh, and I have discussed this very day uh, when his mother took her life um, on his 21st birthday. And of course, that was back in the, the late 50s, early 60s, it would have been. Uh, once my dad's 75 now. So yeah, it's going back a long time. And of course, things, uh, there was a lot of shame uh, at the time around this. And, and that created a, a lot of problems inside my dad, which initially... Um, you know, from getting to love him and to know him um, and talk about this kind of stuff, which we do nowadays, yeah. um, which is great, actually, because there's, there's nothing there's nothing that I can't talk to him about. He's always really open about it, which is good. Yeah, sure. He never used to be, but he is now. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, his mother took her life and obviously, um, you know, that, that's had an impact on his birthday. And for a long time, that manifested itself in underlying anger. And eventually... We started working together actually uh, in early uh, the early noughties, two thousand, beginning of the two thousands, and it was literally like like working and living with um, a split personality. So there would be times of great joy and happiness, and then times of like real anger and violence, 
and just like well a word that i used to use and i find this i find it hard to come out of my body now but evil yeah. like where's that come from you know um so i think first and foremost for those people that are listening to this whatever it is that you're going through with a loved one uh, i think first and foremost i always used to go well and this took me a long time by the way i only just learned this a few months ago but at the time i used to allow my dad's um split personality disorder um to become something that i would blame my behavior on so yeah. it'd be like yeah i'm all stressed and i'm eating badly or i'm angry and i'm frustrated because of my dad and of course what i've realized and it's just an interesting thing to think about and i've only learned this recently is that um, nobody can actually make you feel anything externally it's feelings come from the internal that you create your feelings there's nothing that anybody else can actually do that affects the way you feel um the the because the feeling comes from within you not external so the choice that you have and the power that we are given um it's a gift actually is the power to choose how you feel yeah about this stuff if that makes sense that took me such a long time to to realize and the moment i started to realize that is coping was a lot easier uh, realizing that look if if my beautiful dad who i love to pieces can one minute have happiness and love in his speak in his soul in his way care love and then and then like 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 turning off a light yeah um go to evil and go to bad and i'm sure there is no evil but i'm going that's what it felt like then like that cannot be easy to live with no and it's you know whilst it's different it's so similar you know the experiences that i've had with a unruly teenager teenage boys anyway your baseline mm. default setting there is a lot of what you just described up down depressed happy miserable delighted mm. you know it's really all over the place uh, mm. and and with neurodiversity as well you know there there is there is uh teenage anger teenage violence you know lots yeah, yeah. of stomping mm. around and you know mm. um being uh uh, unruly. I, I think evil is an interesting word because it's not. It seems evil because I think when you're, um, I think when you're quite, I don't want to sound arrogant, but when you're a relatively evolved grown-up, you know, mm. you tend not to behave that way. So when you see that, you kind of think, where the hell's that from? Because that's just mm. not rational. But I think the reality mm. is people aren't being rational. I think that's the point. I think yeah, and I think we try to rationalize. We try to use. We use. We go to rationale, yeah, to understand and to make sense. And the the truth is, rationale doesn't exist. No, in the circumstances that I was talking about. So, had my father been rationally considering his actions, uh, he would never have done it. And that's the illness itself, isn't it? That's the that's the problem for him. Uh, and I think what we have to do as carers supporters humans on our own journey uh is it's just interesting to know i believe what i've learned is that you have to take a step back and go like how do i want to feel about what's happening yeah you know what what do i want to feel about this right now and and that 
that is a powerful tool and it takes, you know, I'm nowhere near the master of it. I'm a, I'm a one out of 10 at best at doing it. <laughs> it's just enabled me to uh, see things in a different light and stop using my rationale to try and understand something that does not involve rationale, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think it's, that's the hardest part is, is actually that bit that you just talked about, the interplay between a rational being looking at someone who's not behaving rationally. And, you know, I had a really yeah. great chat with a lady who runs, her son's um, quite, quite autistic at quite a young age. So my, um, my, my son on the spectrum is in a different place to her young lad. Some people with autism are non-verbal, for example, my son's verbal. So there's a whole pile of different sensory and, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. elements on the disorder. Um, and she started a clothing company because he's got a specific sensory issue. So she started a sensory aware clothing company called Born Anxious, which is really cool. So it's really cool slogans on T-shirts. And her big thing, uh, and I totally agree with her, is about being kind to each other. Because if you're Simple. kind, yeah, it's so easy, isn't it? If there's a mother in the supermarket, or let's, let's take an example closer to home. Uh, there's a chap, he's out with his dad, his elderly father, and his father's not behaving very pleasantly, he's being a bit irrational, rude, whatever, you know, disjointed from reality. Mm. Um, mm. You could easily draw conclusions of the old man's drunk. You, you could draw any number of conclusions, or you could do oh, yeah. And you could say to that chap out with his dad, are you all right, mate? Do you need some support? Yeah, yeah. Mate, I, I mean, look, um, we, we worked in a retail showroom together, and, and when my dad was in a mania, He'd get there at four o'clock in the morning. He'd smoke 40, 50, 60 fags by by the time he got there. It was like it was like walking into um, Grot Bags's grotto. Um, <laughs> and uh, he'd have done a whole day's work, including ringing all of the customers before the working day had start to say, um, you know, I, I was at your house this morning at R5 with a load of tiles. Where were you? You know, and stuff like that. Yeah. And, and I'd sort of walk into just like an absolute like, um, well, chaos, absolute yeah. chaos. And and he would say things in front of people, you know. He used to, I've always, to be honest, I've always carried a bit of weight and he'd call me fatty in front of customers and, and say things like, uh, I don't know what you're listening to him for, old fatty there, he ain't got a clue what he's talking about, I'm the gaffer, you know. Yeah, yeah. And when he was in a mania, that was the kind of thing he would say, which was, you know, uh, no matter how how good you are at coping, which I'm a one. Um, I did not cope with it very well at all. No. Um, and I think, do you know, interestingly enough, I think actually often people were quite kind and were like, okay, this guy's not quite, this is not right. They must have detected. But it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't particularly helpful towards uh, selling tolls or bathrooms or, or getting a sound. It was like, it would often end up with them going, look, it was lovely to make you all shoot back again. And that was the kind of impact it started to have, not just on me, but on business and my brother. And that, that was, you know, that was hard. That was hard. But uh, I think people are kind, uh, but it's still kind of like, he's a bit awkward, isn't it? You know, and, and uh, people, people struggle to cope with it, really. I think they can uh, be when kind. It's irrational. Yeah, I think they. I think people need to remember to be more kind. And life is about training. You know, you're a coach. I, I coach. And, and the biggest thing any coach knows is that it takes time to bed a new thought process in. Uh, and this is the same. You know, people jump to conclusions. People's patterns yeah. force them to jump to conclusions. And mm. you know, in many respects, I mean, you know 
of course, that your dad was jumping to a pattern uh, and was saying what he was saying because that was his pattern. He wasn't. Yeah. He, he is your dad. He loves you. Of course, he does. Mm. You know, there's very few dads that don't love their kids. Um, mm. uh, and I've met you, and you're very lovable. So I'm sure he did. But you know, the point is that it's all pattern. And once you separate, and there's something you said really early on here, which is really interesting to me. Once you separate someone else's behaviour from your own, you mm. know, you, you talked about, you know, well, he's having if he if he was in a bad place, that's why you weren't eating well, or why you were in a mood, or why mm. something wasn't happening. Yeah. When you yeah. separate your behaviour, when you uncouple your behaviour from other people's behaviour, that's when I think patterns really start to drop away. Um, and yeah, and I think there's some natural fear and behaviour in that though, Al, because you're going, um, you know, we. <laughs> there were times where I felt that other people would judge me um, through my father's behavior. And of course I I couldn't have been further from the truth actually. Sure. Um, But that's how it was uh, before I understood this as I do now. That's how it felt. And I felt uh, I played a lot of sport and he would come to sporting events and shout things. And, you know, if he was in the wrong frame of mind or if he was in what we would call his, we used to, we actually used to call his, other person a name which we used to call him bobby wow. my dad's name's phil so and, it was actually when he was in Amalia, we called him bobby so it was it was that oh, completely different, different. Yeah, yeah. yeah yeah completely and 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 normal is is normal is a sort of a, a, a six out of ten fairly normal or you know a character yeah, yeah. but uh, um an old-fashioned traditional character i suppose but you know this guy was born just after the war in uh in poverty really and uh you know, a great character and a, and a work, working class man. Um, but yeah, when Bobby was about, it was like, you know, 10, uh, everything, no sleep. And the go-to play was work, 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 use your hands. Everything was a problem, aggressive anger, like just complete sort of uh, mania, constant mania. And he's, you, but you, there were times where I used to look him in the eyes and go, Dad, just breathe. Yeah. calm down and you could see his iris you know his middle of his eye was spinning almost you know it was that that much arrived. and the, the the amazing thing that that uh, my, my, my father was diagnosed with manic depression and it could be switched off or on immediately uh, almost chameleon like so um you know it, to see him go through it was really painful yeah. and to watch the whole family you know uh, like at the moment, the weather's changed and it is linked to the weather. And the last two weeks, he's been, he's 74, he's got chronic arthritis, he's been banging things and working, smoking fags all day and swearing and shouting. And, yeah. you know, it's it's happening as we speak. And, and the whole family are little text messages and mum's just been away and she's like, oh, I've come back to him again and Bobby's here. You know, we, we know it's coming. Yeah. It's interesting how the interplay between, um, the way our brains work and the way our, our personalities behave is fascinating. And, and the interplay, you know, uh, everything, everything to do in neurodiversity is mental health as well. And it's, it's yeah. a thin end of the wedge. Um, and you know, uh, my, my son age 13 was going through a lot of mental anguish whilst he was still in, you know, we'd taken him out of school whilst he was still in school. Um, because of course, until we understood what was going wrong, it was his fault in his bed. Yeah. So yeah, then the punishment comes, and I and think that's really tough. Yeah. That's yeah. Tough. Look, uh, you know, when you're a young lad, that's life's hard enough when you're a young lad anyway. Mm. But on top mm. of everything that came, and 
it's a very fine line and i think most of us in and around the neurodiverse universe um are, are totally aware of it and you know there's been a massive revolution in the last i think must be 12 months where 16 you know 16 30 months ago whenever if somebody said i've got mental illness in the family i think you're right there was there was a huge stigma it's almost like it was a mm. cold you could catch therefore people ran away mm. and I, I remember it's not just it's not just mental health it's actually everything as 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 animals we tend to run away from stuff that we mm. are uh fearful of and i think that's what it comes down to it's fear it's people not and i think at the moment like um yeah, sorry, sorry. No, no, go ahead. I, th I think at the moment, uh, the truth is, um, there are so many people suffering at the moment. Yeah. That's the truth. Um, I I've got, in my social circle, I've got friends with social anxiety, mm. anxiety, stress, depression, and everyone's functioning, and everyone's um, rolling their sleeves up. But the truth is, you scratch the surface with people and... And by the way, many of them, many of us, don't want to go there. Yeah. And one of the things that I, I've done recently, in fact, Friday night, we were out for dinner in, uh, in Birmingham, <clears throat> and there's a guy in our team, young lad, 22, and I, I, I could tell that he suffered with anxiety, and I, I, I've, I've made it my mission where I go, for as long as I'm alive, if I can see, and it's obvious to me, that somebody's suffering, I'm going to ask them in a supportive way um, how I could help. And, and I said to him just very quietly, I said, look, um, I can't help but notice, but you, you feel a little, you look like you're a little bit anxious. What can I possibly do to help you? Yeah. And he said, thank you. Uh, he just said, I'm, I'm feeling, you know, and we, we just had a bit of a conversation. He said, that's really helped. So a message to anybody actually is we know the signs. We, we've, we've all got, children family parents our, our own signs our own patterns yeah. and that's one of the other things that i'm sure you'll talk about when we've got more time in the future but recognizing your own pattern um i i've, yeah. I've actually just come out of a pattern um uh, three and a half weeks and my pattern is to to go towards literally stuffing my face at night yeah. with all the stuff i shouldn't do yeah, yeah um instead of handling how i'm feeling inside it's one of my patterns I've uh, just come out of it. And the way I come out of it actually is, is to talk to other people who understand me. Yeah. I think it's that awareness. Uh, it's that awareness that's both the solution on the way out and also the sensitivity to everybody else. It's that awareness of behavior before it happens, of the pattern, mm. becoming aware yeah. of the pattern, whether it's ramming that extra tub of hagen into my face which i've been guilty of many mm. i mean i'm sure mm. that, i'm sure i should i'm due shares now to be honest but um, <laughs> you know whether whether it's whether it's that self-harm pattern because that's what it is yeah or whether yeah. it's uh being being an arsehole to somebody else and not being kind that that yeah. that awareness is the solution if you put awareness yeah. before those actions and i think that's that's massive for me and i think for my son as well all he wants, all he wants is the time and space to be aware so that he is in control of what's around him. If we surprise him with stuff, he'll... Yeah, he'll it's not good, yeah, yeah. Really quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big change is big trouble in his yeah. head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
you know, my, he, my nephew's the same mate yeah yeah he said to me yesterday i only want to eat the same thing when we go to that restaurant and you know i, I didn't address it i just said cool but in my mind mm-hmm. i'm like oh but there's a whole world of stuff out there. you know but it doesn't matter mm-hmm. in his head mm-hmm. it's so comfortable that'll do. And safe. yeah, yeah that'll yeah. do absolutely yeah. All right, yeah, well, I think like, one, of, one of the things I just want to say to, add, to um, end on that is um, one of the things I'm proud of my dad the most is um, eventually through powerful questions, not telling, mm. but through things like, Dad, how are you feeling today? Yeah. Uh, when I say how are you feeling, let me put some context to it. Um, on a scale of one to ten, with ten being like you're feeling really sort of angry and you're racing a bit and one you're fine what number do you so um we learned that telling him to stop saying that and just stop behaving like that and don't do it was just like the worst thing we could do and eventually uh, yeah absolutely um asking powerful questions created an awareness in my dad and eventually one day i'll never forget it he went yeah i, I need to go and talk to someone about this all this stuff and that was the moment, and, and everything changed from there on it, um, and I'm proud of him for that. Yeah, and, uh, and I, think, I think that's the key. You know, my wife at this point, before we go, would remind me about Brené Brown and holding space, giving people space to talk about something. So rather than asking yeah. a question, and I, and I said something about this, about ego yesterday, rather than asking the question your ego wants you to ask, which is why you're behaving that way, yeah. the, the right question is, is how are you feeling right now? Yeah. And, and then shut up and let them talk and let them yeah, yeah. hold space with you. And That's the power. It, it's, it's hugely powerful to be ahead of the curve, ahead of the pattern. And that's the message, I think, from this podcast for me. It's about being ahead of the pattern. It's just about being ahead yeah. of the pattern in everything we do. In yeah, all absolutely. I agree. Matt, amazing. Um, conscious of the time. Um, yeah. Normally, I, I wrap up with the question of where are you now? But I think this has been such a wide-ranging chat. Uh, I guess it sounds like family have adapted really, really well over time. You know, when yeah. Bobby's coming, you know, you kind yeah. of, you prepare for it, you steal yourselves. And does that make it easier? Indeed. It does. And I think, I think uh, it, it's, it's, there's still a massive frustration um, at times when it, when it's happening. Um, some of the self-medication is a problem, but from where we were, when it was, undiagnosed, completely out of control uh, to where we are now. Um, of course, there's, 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 you know, it could be better. But more importantly, I feel like my dad feels more comfortable and more safer with it. Um, so, yeah, I think the message is um, love, be there, ask, support. And critically, if you're the person um, that's watching somebody else suffer, then jump onto podcasts like this, share, um, talk, ask. Um, uh, but most of all, you've just got to love uh, those around you and understand that what they're going through is, is the challenge. And the power is how you choose to feel. And that, that is powerful. Amazing. Amazing. How you choose to feel. Uh, brilliant. Matt, what an amazing discussion. Thank you so much for sharing with us. And for Thanks for having me on to two amazing conclusions uh about about how you, it's all about how you choose to feel and then you know having the awareness to uh break the pattern to just preempt the pattern uh amazing yeah. stuff uh thank you so much um and obviously to everyone who's listened um 
thank you so much for listening. Um, it's incredible stuff going on, I think, in the world at the moment. And it's this kind of conversation. I can't imagine myself being a part of five years ago, maybe even a year ago. So I'm very grateful to Matt Elwell for being our guest today. For everyone that's listening, please do share if you care, as I say, because uh, somewhere out there, a 13-year-old thinks it's their fault and it really isn't. And we've got to get to hmm. them. Uh, there's only a short period of time. So Matt, once again, thank you so much for being with us. Good and everyone else, uh, thanks for listening in. We'll be here next week.